With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. He's a well-respected high school football scout. Known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig, Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth. The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Tr- 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to The Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith, Intercom Studios. I'm feeling good, recording live on Tuesday. I got my main man, Greg Biggins, on the line. GB, the GOAT, what it do? Keith, how you doing? Big week. Yeah. Huge week ahead, right? Huge week ahead. Excited about what the near future holds. But regardless of that, GB, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. We have recruiting with you. We got a sleeper of the week that we both really, really love who's been uber productive early on in this season. We're going to talk a little game recaps of last week. I took a couple L's, not just in high school, but in the college and the NFL games as well. And then we're going to bring this baby to a close. But before we get to any of that, GB, the Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. We got recruiting with the GOAT. Hit us with what you got. Yeah, so a couple new commitments. How about Makai Paul from El Cerrito, formerly of L.A. Dorsey, committed to the Cal Golden Bears. Took a visit to Arizona a couple weeks ago, but Cal was always kind of a long-time leader. Really liked it there. Loved everything about the school, the academics, the location. He's going to graduate early, so he can get in there. He's going to come in there as a safety, and uh, that's a good fit. You know, we've talked a lot about the Cal program and kind of the turnaround that Justin Wilcox has going on right now, and should they beat BYU two weeks ago, Keith, who just knocked off Wisconsin, referring to the Cougs who knocked off Wisconsin. So that win over BYU by Cal is looking even bigger right now. Shoot, man, they might make some noise in the Pac-12 this year. I don't really see a dominant Pac-12 team right now. No, really love what Cal's been doing in the recruiting show. We've said that on multiple shows in the past. They're doing an excellent job identifying their type of player that fits into the Cal Bear scheme, not only on the field, but also in the classroom and in the community, Makai Poke is a kid who's ascended this offseason like a few have, and he's got a terrific skill set to come in and contribute right away to that Cowbell program. So congratulations to Makai, the Polk family, and congratulations to the Cal Bears who continue to nab their kids across the West Coast to come in to Berkeley and put a dent into the program. Nabbing them. Speaking of napping, USC picked up a commitment yesterday. Actually, that'll be on Monday from Keenan Christian, one of the fastest running backs in the whole entire Western region. He's a 10 5 800 meter guy, Keith. That's, that's, that's blazing right there. 5'10, 185 pounds. He's not a track guy, man. He's got a thick upper body. Um, I don't know if I mean, I mentioned where he's going. He's committed to USC. Uh, came down to USC, UCLA, Alabama, Notre Dame also in the mix, but never visited Alabama or Notre Dame. So it was a battle between the two LA schools. Uh, he visited UCLA officially just two weeks ago. Uh, has not officially visited USC, but has been there multiple times unofficially. But uh, told me just yesterday that uh, he just felt a little stronger connection with the USC coaching staff, specifically running back coach Tim Drevno. And uh, track is also a big, big part of his decision. He wants to run track in college. And obviously right now, USC's got one of the top track programs in the country. So Keenan Christian, the second running back in USC's class, Jordan will score, uh, committed a little bit ago. I think last month, and now they've added Keenan Christian to the mix as well, Keith. We talk about it, you know, all the time. Speed is the number one component in the game of football. That is the ultimate neutralizer when you play against teams in your conference or across the nation. Christian 
is a kid, like you said, a 10-5 kid, but built in a, in a thick mold. I think USC needs an influx of speed at that running back position. Yeah, if my memory serves me correct, they don't have a guy, a game-breaker, other than a guy like Stephen Carr, who isn't a blazer per se, out of that backfield that can go 80 without getting ran down from behind. So, Kristen, coming in. Adding that speed element to the USC offense, I think, will be received well by the Trojan family. So they need to get a, a, a little better offensive line to get some holes for my guy, Stephen Carr. And that was a rough game to watch against Texas. Hey, so this is kind of a funny one, Keith. I think you mentioned Jamal McClendon, what, a handful of times on, on your staff stars the week. Yes. So he visited, so he's a current San Diego State commitment, trip to UCLA over the weekend. It was kind of one of those under-the-radar things. We hadn't mm. heard about it, but we're asked to kind of keep it silent because he hadn't been offered yet. He was a commitment. Um, so he uh, he was offered on the visit. Still isn't returning calls or DMs, but he's got his own little private website, Keith. It's kind of funny. That's interesting. And on that website, it says Jamal McClellan, UCLA commit. So I think it's probably safe to say that Jamon made a flip from San Diego State to UCLA. It just no one knows about it unless you can find his secret website, which uh, which we found because Blair and, and Huff are very very good about doing that kind of thing. So Jamon McClendon, Keith, I'm, I'm going to go go ahead and call him a UCLA commit right now because it's on his website. But until the kid actually goes public with it via a, a tweet or, or return a call or a DM, I, I don't know what to make of it. But uh, shoot. What do you think about Jamal, Jamal McClellan? First, I want to tell you what I think about the investigative reporting by the two, the collective West Coast 247 team, Mr. Blair Angulo, Mr. Brandon Huffman. Terrific job finding the Relentless. secret Relentless. web. Yeah, the secret website of Mr. Jamal McClellan. But can't say that I'm truly on board with the flip, uh, considering the recent success of San Diego State running backs, running game, and the way they prepare you for the NFL with their productivity at the college level and the scheme that they use, the power scheme that's used league-wide at the NFL or in the NFL. Um, I thought San Diego State, the Essex, were a great fit for McClendon, who is a physical runner with speed in the open field, to come in and be developed and produced in the Mountain West Conference. Making a flip now to a spread offense that's that doesn't translate well to the NFL uh, for everyone, uh, especially a kid who's a who's a, a power guy that's got some open field that, ha- that has some open field speed. So uh, I'm not gonna uh, sugarcoat anything. I'm not on board with that. I thought San Diego State was a good fit, but it's his decision. Congratulations to him if this is what he wants for himself. I just thought San Diego State was a better fit for him, but Jamal McClendon seems like, based on investigative reporting, that UCLA and Westwood, California, is going to be his new home after his senior season. Yeah, I'm not even sure if UCLA is running a spread anymore, Keith. I don't know if you have the chance to watch much. I haven't watched too much of it, but I, I think I don't know what offense Chip's running. It's definitely not the spread Oregon blur type offense. It kind of almost looks like I don't know what it looks like. It doesn't look good though. And uh, oh. Okay. It doesn't look that good. And yeah. honestly, watching the film, um, you know, the kid's a big kid, about 210, 215 pounds. He's kind yeah. of a banger. I, I, don't, I don't like the speed. He almost looks like more of a plotter. And I, I agree. I think San Diego State has done a great job developing running backs that are, that are playing right now. I think it's a lot of kids get caught up in the name of a school rather sure. than, you know, how you fit in. But. Um, it's 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 interesting. Will be interesting to kind of follow up on that one and see if it is legit or not. But you know, Bucky Brooks kind of did a series of tweets a couple of days ago. I was watching him, and if you mentioned the spread is really an NFL type of offense. But Bucky was saying, and I don't want to misquote you, but more and more and more NFL teams are starting to use a lot of spread concepts now sure. very effectively. So I think we're kind of seeing the NFL isn't your typical. You know, you used to think of pro style offense. What does that mean? And under center, in Tom Brady is the ultimate NFL quarterback, and he's out of shotgun, what, 90% of the time. So I think spread and NFL are kind of starting to mix a little bit right now. No, I agree. I agree they are using a lot of spread concepts, a lot of elements to the spread. 
I just don't feel he's that he's that type of back that fits well in that offense. Or maybe that's the best fit for him. I don't think that's the best fit. Maybe he does fit okay. Is that the best for me? I don't think so. I think he's more of a, a single back or an, or an eye yeah, back, no, I, a down. Exactly, a downhill runner, four yards in the cloud, with a little bit of speed to run away from some guys at the second level. So, um, like you said, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll see how that transpires. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, then the last commitment was Walter Rouse committed to Stanford over Notre Dame. He's a kid from back east, Keith. He goes to Washington, Washington, Mm D.C. Had just visited Notre Dame. A lot of people kind of had their crystal balls going to the Irish, and he took an unofficial. He was one of those guys we creeped a couple weeks ago. He was there for that big Stanford-USC game, Keith. And we kind of said, hey, Stanford, you know, not going to wow anybody with their game atmosphere, right? If you've been to a Stanford game, it's not going to be confused with Bama or LSU home atmosphere. It's just not. But Stanford has so much more to sell than than a great game atmosphere, and he loved it there and went ahead and committed to Stanford over Notre Dame. So big offensive tackle. Walter Rouse from back east going to Stanford. So those are the five commitments. Um, some pretty big visits. The biggest one, obviously, was was our top guy, Brew McCoy, the number one rated athlete in the country, uh, took a visit to Texas, and he saw Texas kind of beat up on USC, which is his leader. You know, I still think it's going to take a lot to get him away from USC. Texas is a solid number two for him right now. Really loved it. It's kind of funny. You know, he told me he hung out the whole time, Keith, with he t- told me he hung out the whole visit with Trey Sanders. Well, obviously, we'll be out here this weekend for the big modern-day IMG game, but uh, Trey was out there on his official visit, too. So uh, Bruce said, man, that was my favorite guy on the visit. He goes, I hung out with him the whole entire time. He got along great. We didn't really get to meet at the opening finals. So it was cool to be around him. And I'm expecting both those two guys to make a few plays on Friday night. Um, a few other quick visits. William Nemo, speaking of modern-day, he took a visit to Washington State. Officially, he'll be at Oregon State this weekend, and then UCLA and Cal will be in October. The Markham Twins, Long Beach Poly, both officially visited Utah. Uh, Utah lost to Washington, but again, that was a great atmosphere. Jaden Daniels, tell me about, break this one down for me, Keith. Jaden Daniels took a visit to UCLA, already visited Cal, and he's going to be at Utah in October. Uh, Jaden is a guy I think a lot of us thought would go to UCLA and commit there pretty quickly after they offered him. He has not. He's taken his visits. They have a true freshman, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, starting right now. Uh, Dorian is struggling a little bit. He's got a nutty dad on Twitter. Um, if you're Jaden, um, where do you handicap Jaden right now in terms of where do you see him ending up? Do you think UCLA is still a real option for him? Do you think Utah, where I kind of start to get a little bit of a Utah vibe, Uh you think Dorian struggling is a good thing for Jaden? Do you think a true freshman starting is a hindrance for a high school freshman, high school senior to come in? Uh, what do you think about Jaden's recruitment? It's interesting. It's interesting, but I think uh, things are starting to take shape as the season kind of progresses and moves along. Considering, you know, A, Dorian Thompson Robinson is a starter at UCLA, probably will be the starter for the next three to four years. Um, I think he's set in stone at that UCLA program, even though he's struggling a little bit right now, which is to be expected as a true freshman quarterback with, with one year of varsity, starting varsity experience on the high school level. Uh, the game's moving a little bit too fast for him right now. And uh, even though he made some strides in week two, maybe took a step back in week three, from what I understand, um, he's a kid who's going to continue to get better. He's got a terrific work ethic. I think he's, again, set in stone there at UCLA for the next few years. If you move along, you look at Utah, where Darren Jones already committed to Utah, the big six foot eight receiver who plays at Cajon with Jaden Daniels. I think it's a terrific. Um, it's a terrific ploy by the Utah Utes coaching staff to make a Cajon coup and pull in Jones and Daniels to to already have a set in stone, you know, connection between wide receiver, quarterback, and I think it gives Jane Daniels an opportunity to come in and play early. If you were asking me, and I was advising him, I like the fit at Cal. Cal is a up-and-coming program on the rise already has a solid defensive unit with a lot of young players and an aggressive head football coach that's a defensive football coach first coming in they're recruiting well at the skill positions Jaden Daniels will have to come come in with a chance to come in and play early and I don't think Jaden's a kid who needs to come in and play as a freshman I think he needs a, a year in the weight room and three square meals a day up underneath his bottom 
Mickey can thicken up a little bit, bulk up a little bit, be able to take some of the contact that he's going to receive at the next level. Um, they have a couple quarterbacks, McElwin right now, Garbers as well. I think Jaden comes in, he red shirts, he maybe sits a year. I think by his third year in the program, second year as a player, as a redshirt sophomore, I think he's a starter, and I think he plays a couple years. Uh, is, is, is maybe a Pac-12 player of the year, maybe challenges for the Heisman at some point. If he continues to develop and ascend at the rate that he is in high school right now, I think it's a terrific fit. It's a great program. It's a terrific education for he and his mother. And uh, I think that might be the best situation for him. Not knocking Utah, not knocking UCLA, but I think Cal is the best fit for Jaden. Look at you just breaking that all down, Keith. I mean, that's kind of what I do, GB, but thank you, my man. Just breaking it down. Uh, Josh Pacola, uh, Northern California stud defensive end, visited Notre Dame. He's mm. also been to UCLA and USC. Stanford, assuming he can get past their tough admissions, is still the heavy favorite for Josh Pacola. And uh, Jason Rodriguez and Isaiah Rutherford both took official visits to Colorado. Uh, Rodriguez is the USC commit. School's still trying. Uh, Washington, Washington State, UCLA, all trying to get him to trip in. I think he's committed to USC. It's pretty solid, but again, he said he wanted to have a, a plan B and a plan C just in case. You know what I mean, Keith? You never know. You what never, can happen. you never know. You never know. You know, Greg. By the the and I know you a little bit, and by the sound of your voice, things sound a little flaky, maybe a little shaky, in terms of USC and Jason Rodriguez. Whatever the case may be. Go to where they love you. Go to where they need you. Go to where you fit in academically and athletically for the next four to five years. So if that's not <laughs> USC, hey, man, go find your place because um, that's just that's just how this is done. This is a business, and you got to make a business decision. Yeah. No, I, honestly, you, you do know me. And uh, when I was saying you never know, I wasn't trying to insinuate there's anything going on with, with him and, and USC. I think he's still good. He still likes them. Like, again, it's just a case of, you know, shoot, you know, this is a one-time deal. Sure. I just want to make sure I have all my boxes checked. And then Isaiah Rutherford, dude, again, I think, you know, his dad went to Cal, played at Cal. He's up in Northern California. He's got some heavy-duty schools. Alabama wants him badly. Oklahoma wants him badly. Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Really, sure. really want He loved that visit, but... Um, that would be a huge feather if Cal can get him to stay home. You know, for years, you see the top guys from Northern California kind of leaving. Um, you know, not just the Najee Harris's of the world, but we're talking even guys that are, you know, below Najee. They're still sure. leaving. It's almost like, I don't want to go to Cal. It's, I'm, I'm above that. But right now, the way Cal's playing, if they can come in and take a kid like Isaiah Rutherford and keep him home, that would be really huge for the program. And that's about it in terms of big visits. Obviously, the guy to talk about is Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, you know, I had him earmarked for Florida State, Keith, but right now, dude, the Knowles aren't looking very strong at all. And he's going to mm-hmm. visit Alabama mm-hmm. this weekend. They've always been kind of the, uh, you know, the school I would say was the, the number two neck and neck with Florida State. I'll tell you what, man, he's going to go to Bama. He'll get blown away there, as they always do. He's already been there once before. Florida State better turn some things around on the field or they're going to end up losing out on one of the nation's top defensive end prospects. I don't know, Greg. I look at things a different way. You know, considering, you know, I was a former high school player who was recruited and I understand the kind of the factors that you're looking at. And I understand that Florida State is struggling. Willie Taggart, not off to a great start there in Tallahassee. But as a top recruit, I don't think you're looking at how good the team is doing. Right? You're looking at your defensive staff, your position coach, and the depth at your position and where you fit in and how early you can get on the field if you come in ready to play and perform. Um, does Kayvon want to win? I believe he wants to win. Will Willie Taggart win there? I believe Willie Taggart will win there. I think he's a really good coach. Uh, right now, they, they lack some talent. Uh, Jimbo Fisher did not do Willie Taggart any favors. The cupboard was relatively bare. If you look at that roster... There's not a lot of proven players on that roster at all. They're struggling right now in terms of uh, doing what their coach to do, buying into the scheme and the system. Can they get it turned around fast enough in Tallahassee before signing day so that things look up uh, moving down the road with Kayvon Thibodeau and other top recruits? Don't know, not sure. Hopefully they do. I still think Kayvon Thibodeau is headed 
to Bama. I still think he's going to play outside linebacker for the Tide. I think he'll play there three years, play early in his freshman year. I think he'll lead the nation in sacks by the time he's a sophomore, junior. And he'll be a top five pick in the NFL. That's my call. Dude, I will bet you $1,000 he will never lead the nation in sacks right now. He's got like five and five games at the high school level. Keith, come on. I know that's your guy, but he's got to be straight. The kid's struggling. He doesn't play hard. And he's going to have to do a major, major, you give me amount. We are betting. I'm not a betting guy, Keith, but I'm going to bet you right now he will not lead the nation in sacks as a sophomore. I bet he won't even lead the conference wherever he goes in sacks when he's a sophomore. No, listen. What are we betting? I, I, listen, I hear you. Uh, $2. That's my math. I'm I'm putting my money behind outside linebackers coach, co-defensive coordinator, Tosh Lupoy. I know Tosh personally. I know how bad he wants Kayvon. I know uh, what he expects in the the standard there at Bama. I've been there on multiple occasions. They're not going to allow him to take plays off. They're not going to allow him to do whatever he's not doing there at Oaks Christian. Uh, they're going to hold him accountable. They're going to get the best out of him, and he's going to be productive because he has the talent, the God-given talent, ability, and they're going to get that work ethic from him. They'll, that's my projection. That's what I think is going to happen. I hope so. Yeah. Actually, I've, I've always liked him personally. Yeah. I've watched him three times this year on Prep Zone, and I saw him live, and it's just some guys take plays off. He takes quarters off, and it hasn't been a one-year thing. This has been going on since he was at Dorsey even, yeah. talking to some of those old coaches. So. It's almost like, I mean, you watch a guy like a Nolan Smith or a Brew McCoy, Bookie Radley, those guys are killers, Keith. Yeah. They don't have to get motivated. I think you're either born with that or you're not. Now, you can get someone to play harder. Yes. Absolutely, a thousand percent. Yes. But I don't know if you are either, you're either a killer or, or you're not. And I just haven't seen it from him in the three years that I've been, I've been watching him. So hopefully it, it works out. And another reason I don't think I'll leave the league in sacks, Keith, is that Alabama, they sit their starters out after the third quarter of the game <laughs> because they're usually up by 40. So it's kind of hard for anybody to lead any category at a school like Bama. I hear but you. The Florida State thing is interesting, Keith. And, and trust me, dude, I've been doing this for 20 years. I know why kids pick schools. It's not just about win-loss records. Yeah. But, dude, right now, Keith, I mean. I, I hear you, GB. People are already saying Williams in a hot seat. So I'm not saying they, they got to win 10 games, but they got to at least look like they're you know, they're making some strides in the right direction. I mean, the offensive line is even worse than UCLA's. Yeah, it's I mean, bad. Some of the highlights that I've watched are hilarious, where they have guys that will literally just, I'm not exaggerating to tell the, tell the story funnier, their tackles sometimes will just stand in, a, in one spot, put their head down, and watch the guy go right past them. It, it's it's almost like they're trying to get the quarterback killed. It's it's a really weird dynamic. Hopefully they turn it around. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, his, his recruitment is going to be, very, very fascinating to watch. You've been on record saying you think Bama. I thought FSU. I'm not trying to renege my, my, my bet, but uh, all i got to say is the Knowles, man. They better, they better do some things. But anyways, Keith, that wraps it up for recruiting notes. Give me your sleeper of the week. Let's go. It's time for our sit and sleep sleeper of the week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. Sleeper of the week time, GB. Sleeper of the week. Maybe my most anticipated time of the show is our sleeper of the week for multiple reasons. I love to spot shadow guys who aren't getting the attention. I love to bring those guys to the table. I know we both do. Um, And our sleeper of the week this week is a kid who... I mean, it does not lack for production anywhere you put him um, in the country. It doesn't matter if he was in Florida, Texas, California, Georgia. Our sleeper of the week this week is a big-time player, and all he does is go out and produce week in and week out over the last year and a half or maybe two and a half years. I think he's been starting since he was a sophomore. But our sleeper of the week this week comes from Westlake High School in Westlake Village. I'm talking about... 
the five foot eight dynamic three-way player. I'm talking running back, receiver, return man, Jason Heller out of Westlake High School. I want to shout you out, Jason Heller, as my sleeper of the week, baby, because you are a big timer, a PTPer. Okay? Every week, GB, this kid's got 200 yards receiving. He's got 100 yards rushing. He's getting three, four, five touchdowns a game. He's been unstoppable, the most productive wide receiver on the West Coast, or at least in California right now, for the season. And we're halfway done with the regular season. Jason Heller out of Westlake. Congratulations, my man. You are the transparent truth sleeper of the week for your dynamic ability outside the hash marks, inside the hash marks, in the return game, out of the backfield. You're making plays. You're making other kids look silly. And uh, you're just a baller. You're a big-time baller. You're getting the job done. And at some point, some college coach at an FBS, FCS program is going to believe in you and stop looking at what you can't do because of your height and start looking at what you can do with your feet, your legs, your hands, and your productivity, my man. So, Jason Heller, this week's Transparent Truth Sleeper of the Week. Shout out to Westlake Warriors, the undefeated Westlake Warriors, and um, my man, Jason Heller. Uh, give me a comparison. Now, we, we talked a little bit off-air and obviously, size is a factor. Sure, he's he's five eight, and, and you know that might even be given a nice little bump. What what what's the college comparison of, of or even a guy that you have seen before who he kind of reminds you of? That's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, a guy that I've seen before that he may remind me of. You remember you remember Raymond Skaggs, GB. He, he played at Dorsey High School, signed with Florida State, I believe out of junior college. Hmm. A Raymond Skaggs. He was a small guy. Yeah. But speed, Greg, speed. I know Jason Heller, for a fact, is a high 4-4 guy. That's not yeah. bad. Not bad at all. Okay. Now, Raymond was probably a 4-3 guy. But yeah. Jason Heller, a high 4-4 guy. And, and Heller, he's short, but he's not little, Greg. Sure. The, the kid is put together. He's got the traps. He's got the shoulders. He's got the arms. He's, he's got the thick lower body. All right? I think if you put him in into the slot, you put him into the backfield as a scat back, I think he can be productive. I think uh, you, you can use him in multiple ways. Can you get him in the screen game? Can you get him in the bubble game? Can you use him across the middle because he's got that thick frame to be able to take a shot and still hold on to the ball after eight yards on a third and seven and move the sticks? Heller is a guy that can play. You know, some people say kind of like a Danny is a, is a, not an Amendola. What's the other? What's my guy number 11? Edelman. Uh, no. Julian Edelman. Kind of like a Julian Edelman type. I don't yeah. think so. I think he's more of a... Uh, who's the back that used to play for New England? Went to the San Diego. Danny, what's Woodhead? A Danny Woodhead. You know okay. what I mean? A little yeah. bit of a Danny Woodhead, right? And then those guys, they're they're high IQ players. They understand. They play with football instincts. They understand angles. They understand gaps. They understand flow of defense and how to cut back. Those guys just make plays with the football in their hands. And he seems like one of those players. Uh, and I think somebody's gonna pull the trigger on him down the road. Uh, as he continues to produce and and make highlights out of other people's children. Yeah, dude. Honestly, I can, as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking of a school right, right now in my head who can use a player like this. They're not going to get the top top five star prospects, but they're kind of like when it comes to you know great academic school, up and coming program. Yeah, go with it. I think I know where you're going. Fighting, what about the fighting Dan Hawkins is over at UC Davis. UC Davis isn't bad. Uh, yeah. How about how about taking this guy part of that program? The Fighting Dan Hawkinses are making some. They had some big wins this year, Keith. They did. Off San Jose State, the opener against. Absolutely, forty-four thirty-eight. Oh, Carter and Brent. That was a little disappointing to see. A little bit. Brent and AC lose, but I was happy for my guy Dan and Cody Hawkins. But no, it'll be it'll be a school like that, like in Idaho, um, some school who's going to take a chance on the kid, and I think he'll reward them. Accordingly, with uh, you know, with a very productive college career as well. You know what, GB? I, I like think your pick. no. Uh, the kid is a, is a player. 
Uh, I respect his game. I love his grind. He's tough. He's got guts. He plays with heart. And uh, if you watch, not just the highlight, if you watch the game take, he makes plays at the most critical moments. And I love those types of kids. Uh, you know, they, they play with that passion. They play with that that energy and that edge to, you know, I need to finish. I got to finish. I have to lead my team. They play with that have to instead of that want to. Yeah. And like uh, that. yeah, he's one of those guys. And uh, I, I really love how he gets down on that field. So, again, I think something's going to happen for him uh, as long as he continues to keep doing what he's doing. I agree. No I doubt. I agree. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can help him. Yeah, and help him reach those goals. Amen to that, GB. Let's time to get on to our top performers, my man. I don't have a huge list, uh, but I do have a list. And uh, you know what? We're going to go ahead and get started. Of course, always out here on the West Coast in Southern California is where we get started. It's our homeland. And we're going to get it rocking and we're going to get it rolling. So let's go with our top performers here in SoCal, we're going to start off with our sleeper of the week. Wide receiver Jason Heller, Westlake, nine catches, GB, 280 yards and a touchdown. That's big time. He's averaging cl- over 30 yards a catch in that game. His quarterback, Patrick Roberg, I believe he's a sophomore, threw for 408 yards and three touchdowns. Quarterback Doug Brumfield, again out of Sarah, big time game. 32 of 52, 429 and three touchdowns, but they took an L. Quarterback Ryan Halinski, the Pro Football Hall of Fame All-American number one pick out of Orange Lutheran High School, threw for five touchdowns. His wide receiver, Logan Loya, also from Old Lutheran, 2020 prospect, three receiving touchdowns. Quarterback Ethan Garbers out of CDM, 30 for 39, 318 and three touchdowns. Quarterback Ryan Zanelli out of La Habra, 300 yards and three touchdowns. How about defensive lineman Daniel Barrellas? Out of La Habra. I saw this kid when I went to go see La Habra play. He was playing some fullback, caught a pat in the f- pass in the flat, made somebody miss, scored a touchdown. He had seven sacks, Greg. Daniel Barrellas out of La Habra. Seven sacks. He's a short guy, a little muscular, a little squatty guy, but he's <laughs> tough. He's aggressive. I really like the way he plays. Seven sacks. Now, it has to be some type of school record. GB, why don't you take it over from there? You know, I, I saw that, and I was going to ask you what you thought of him. If he was, a, is he a legit like? There's nothing wrong with this at all. Is he just like really, really good high school player, or is he, yeah. does he have a legit college? No, yeah. he he's not a college prospect per se in terms of you know size, speed, agility. He's a good high school football player. Uh, may get some Division two, Division three love at some point, but he's aggressive. He's built the right way, like a fire hydrant, and uh, he makes plays. And I like guys that make plays. No, I agree, man. So much better than guys who don't make plays. Amen to that. Hey, how about Kai Rojas from St. Bonaventure? Dude, this kid threw for 347, Mm. rushed for 125, five total touchdowns, three passing, two rushing, including a game-winning touchdown late in the game and a 39-36 win over Hart High School. Kai Rojas getting it done. Uh, DJ, will we under the lay, only played the first half, 19-22 for 346, and two touchdowns. It's like one of the first games all year that he didn't have more touchdowns and incomplete passes. He only had he only had three incomplete passes. So just really efficient game for the talented, talented junior quarterback. Long Beach Poly had a couple guys in the lift key. How about Dalen Fuller? Long Beach Poly about ten tackles, two for loss, and a fifty-yard pick six. And also Keywan Markham had his fourth pick six of the season. Wow, that is not bad. How about Rancho Verde wide receiver Ty McCulloch? Ten catches for 164 and three touchdowns. You mentioned Doug Brumfield. I watched that game. LV Bunkley also had two touchdowns and two interceptions, including what I thought was going to be uh, kind of a game-clinching interception in overtime. But unfortunately, Sarah gave it right back in the very next play. Another game I watched was the Mission Vejo Upland demolition, and Achille Arnold had three touchdowns in the first half. Uh, two receiving, one pump return for a touchdown, one long interception return that he took to like the 10-yard line and he ended up scoring on that same drive. So Achille Arnold just lights out. Just a couple left for me, Keith. Zach Charbonnet, uh, Oaks Christian, big win for them over Murrieta Valley. 16 carries, 2-2-4, and a pair of touchdowns. I think that might do it for my SoCal. Oh, I got one more. 
Go with I'm it. Gonna try to, I'm going to finish up SoCal. How about Ryan Camacho from West Ranch? Running back, how's this for an average? Ten carries, but 332 yards and five touchdowns. Wow. Ooh, What's this guy's bad. name? Ryan Camacho. Ryan Camacho from West not Ranch. Sure not sure if he's related to the great Hector, Hector Macho Camacho. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I'll tell you what, man. A guy's averaging over 30 yards to carry that game and, uh, and scored five touchdowns. So, nice job, Mr. Ryan Camacho. No doubt. Let's go to Arcadia. Quarterback uh, Angel Guerra. 32 of 40, 447 yards and four touchdowns. They played Burbank. Burbank coach had some things to say after that game. I'm not sure if you got wind of that, GB. He says, he, he says our kids are, are just some local community kids who play at Burbank High School and going out there trying to compete, and we just played against an all-star team, and that's a fact. I saw that. I saw that, yeah. And, uh, you know, I hear him. I probably agree with him but that's just kind of the way high school football is right now whether we like it or not that's just kind of the way it is and you got to just you know take your L's where you take them let's yeah. move along quarterback Caden Bell out of Jay Sarah they played an out-of-state team and they stomped them Jay Sarah did four touchdowns for the dual threat Columbia commit and I think that does it here for my southern section Top performers. Let's move along to San Diego. I got a couple guys. Linebacker Max Smith out of La Jolla, 15 tackles and two sacks. Running back, I love this kid's name, Deuce Reynolds out of Kearney, nine rushes, 145 yards, and three touchdowns, GB. We're going to take it really quickly to Northern California. Quarterback Caden Bennett, one of my favorite players in all of high school football, 386 yards passing, six passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown that's seven if total touchdowns if you're counting at home quarterback Caden Bennett hot and on fire this kid's a big time player and I think bigger schools are going to be coming after him sooner rather than later let's go take it to Arizona got a couple guys that put up some gaudy stats GB Spencer Brash out of Higley 318 yards four touchdowns passing 61 rush yards and two touchdowns rushing. Quarterback Will Plummer out of Gilbert. He would listen to these numbers, GB. 41 for 70. Whoa. 668 yards and six touchdowns. He also had a rushing touchdown and he sacked the quarterback. The quarterback sacked the other quarterback. Nice. See what I did there? Ice that shoulder down to that, baby. <laughs> yeah, he threw 70 balls. And then we'll take it last to uh, quarterback Keegan Freed. Out of Sunrise Mountain. He threw for four touchdowns and he ran for four touchdowns in a victory. So congratulations for eight total touchdowns for my guy Keegan. We're going to take it to Utah. A couple of super standouts. Cooper Legas out of Orem. 435 passing yards, four touchdowns. Also had 190 rushing yards and a touchdown. That's pretty outstanding. 625 total yards and five touchdowns. His wide receiver, who may be the most productive. No, not maybe. He is the most productive wide receiver in the state of Utah on the West Coast in terms of yardage. Puka Nakua from Orem. 16 catches, GB. 320 yards. Hey, listen. Whoever plays Orem. If the quarterback passes for 435 and the one receiver catches for 320, how about you double-team that receiver? How about you triple-team that receiver? <laughs> Don't let that guy catch the ball for somebody else to beat you. Not the USC commit who caught for 320 yards. I'm just saying, moving along, uh, I think that does it, and it does, GB, for our top performers here on the West Coast. You got anybody else? I did, I did. I had one guy that slipped through the cracks for me. I'm El sorry. El Dorado High School. No, it was my bad. Yep. Uh, Devon Celestine from El Dorado High School uh, rushed for 200 yards and two touchdowns and had an 81-yard pump return for a touchdown in their upset win over El Modena. So nice. nice job by Mr. Devon Celestine from El Dorado High School. And that is it for me as well. Hey, as always, week in and week out, we'd love to shout out, shout out our top performers. We appreciate you guys and your effort that you guys are putting forward, and we want to make sure we show you some love on the show. Let's move along, GB. It's time for our game recaps, my man. I know you got them in front of you. I took a couple of L's this past week. Let's go over them really quickly. <laughs> so, uh, let's go with the Narbonne. 
Sarah game, which you shouldn't have taken an L. You took an L in this one, Keith. You yeah. had Sarah winning, but you shouldn't have taken the L. Um, Sarah should have won it in regulation, and they missed an extra point, and they easily could have won it in the first overtime. Uh, Jalen Henderson, who was solid, threw an interception in that first overtime. You do that usually in overtime, the game's over, right? Right. You do it, and it's like other team just needs to get in field goal range or, or punch it in. Uh, unfortunately, Doug Rumpel had a great game. First pass in the overtime was picked off as well. So now we go to the second overtime, and Sarah scores, misses the extra point for the second time in the game. Narbonne scores, Marcy's Yates, who had a great game, 139 yards and a 50-yard uh, receiving touchdown. He could have been in one of our stat stars. Uh, he took a little local, uh, little 13-yard screen, punched it in. Ricky Martin, not to be confused with the former singer who sang Live in La Vida Loca, Narbonne's version of Ricky Martin, kicked the extra point through, and for the third year in a row, Keith, Narbonne beat Sarah 27-26 to in double overtime. Again, um, it was fun. I stayed at home, stayed home this past week because I wanted to watch the Dennis Al Gorman game, which is on TV, while I was watching the Michigan Upland game while I was watching the Narbonne Sarah game on Prep Zone. <laughs> so, uh, Marcy Yates was really, really good in the game, and Sarah struggled again to kind of stop the run. Brumfield was good. Elby Bunkley was good. Um, but just couldn't stop the run. Had opportunities. Couldn't cash them in. Extra points is always a huge factor at the high school level. Uh, a really tough double overtime loss. Sarah had that kind of the dramatic come from behind win over Polly two weeks ago. This week had a chance to kind of gain some momentum going into league play, and they kind of literally just fumbled it on the field, and, and Narbonne takes that win to kind of finish up that brutal five-game stretch, two and three. Yeah, They get some of their dudes back this week against a really good Lawndale team, so it doesn't get a whole lot easier no. going against Lawndale. Right. But, hey, Manny Douglas, those guys come out two and three, played very, very tough, battle-tested team, Centennial, St. Louis, Hawaii, St. Louis High School in Hawaii, obviously the Sarah Cavs, and they got it done. Yeah, no doubt. Um, sounds like a great game. For, unfortunately, uh, you know, didn't get a chance to see a ton of it, but it was good to hear quarterback Jalen Henderson, a kid who I'm a little fond of, uh, to hear about him kind of fight through the adversity that was mm-hmm. – in his face earlier in the season, really stand tall and deliver some big time plays versus a big time opponent. And um, Marcis Yetz, a dynamic running back who had a super freshman year last year on a lower level. Uh, I think he's a, a young Sean Riley in the making who is now at Syracuse and starring. We got a big upset win against those fighting. Florida State <laughs> Seminoles, GB. Fighting oh, Willie Taggart. Yeah. Uh, but Marcis Yetz, a kid you better keep your eye on. He's explosive. He's strong after contact. He plays with a will to win, something that I appreciate considering how football, a team sport, has been individualized. Um, I like this young crop of players at Narbonne. We know they have a terrific program. They get some guys back. Hopefully, those guys can assimilate into the team and contribute instead of um, extract, you know, positive energy. And that's what I'm looking forward to in that Narbon program. But great breakdown, GB. And congratulations to the Gauchos. Like you said, a, a brutal, brutal. Uh, you show me somebody with a tougher preseason schedule than Narbon had. No. Yeah, no one had one. Maybe yeah. maybe Shamanad, you know, playing false in Bosco. Yeah. But... No, Narbonne shied away from nobody. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Manny Douglas, Manny Douglas, immediately after the game, you know, they get Jake Garcia back, and he said, hey, both kids are going to play. So it's not going to be a case of, here you go, Jake, here's the football. Um, I know Jake really well. I know he wants to get out there. He's dying to get out there. But Jalen is still going to play. So they're going to give him, give him a chance to, to play, and they're going to split. And, and I don't know if it's going to be a, a platoon system, a la what Centennial has done with um, – their quarterbacks in the past, or if it's going to be, hey, let's have a, you know, you guys are going to, going to play the first three or four games, and then we'll go with one guy. But it'll be interesting, like you said, the word assimilation. Yeah. How are those two guys also getting Josh Jackson back, who can play receiver and safety is big as well, along with uh, Breon Penny, who can play some safety. 
a game that we thought was going to be close, Keith. Uh, Moore Park and Westlake. You picked Westlake 24 to 20. Uh, Westlake won 34 to nothing. Yeah. And a lot of storylines. We already mentioned a couple of the stat stars in this one. Uh, talk about Roberg and Heller. But, dude, from what I heard, and I love Drake London, but he said Cam Fabi Kalanen was all over him. Not giving up anything. I think he may have caught a couple balls, Drake, for the Drake. Yeah. A couple balls for minimal yardage. Uh, Cam is legit, man. He's a big corner that can play some safety. So that was, you know, he's really a huge part of Moore Park's offense. Talking about the USC wide receiver commit, Drake London. So when you have the luxury of putting a guy like Cam on him, who's a 6'2 corner himself, and just kind of blanketing him, you really limit a team like Moore Park, who doesn't have a whole lot of other options around Drake. So big win for Westlake. They're 5-0. and I think they play Oaks in two weeks. That is going to be a, a huge game that has uh, some major CIF seeding implications at that one, Keith. Doesn't surprise me a ton, Greg. Cam is a kid, you know, who I saw three and a half years ago when he was a freshman. And I said, man, this kid can really play. He's only gotten better and bigger and taller and more athletic. He can lock down. And you, you go against a kid like Drake London, who's not totally polished at the receiver position. They don't have a an efficient passing game there at Moore Park that can really take advantage of an over-aggressive corner or uh, put together you know, plays that can create space for their number one target versus a top-notch corner. Westlake did a nice job, a big team victory. I love what Gabe, the Gabriel Floyd said. You know, somebody went off at the mouth talking about how the Gabriel Floyd dominated or showed out. And Gabe said, I didn't dominate. I didn't show out. I just did my job. And it was a great team win. And, you know, as much as people try to end, keep individualizing the game of football it was a terrific team win by the Westlake Warriors Heller with 280 Roberg who's got a lot of hype kind of coming out of the Pop Warner ranks really showed out as a quarterback uh, Gabe did a nice job as a backer running sideline to sideline we talked about uh, you know Cam Fabi and locking down playing great coverage on Drake and London the USC commit and Westlake undefeated a lot of momentum I know they got the Calabasas. I'm sorry. They have the Oaks Christian Lions kind of down the road. And Kayvon Thibodeau taking some shots at Westlake on social media. I think that's going to be a huge game. I think it'll be extremely competitive. I think it's going to be very hard hitting. So be ready for that kind of coming down the road, GB. What did uh, what did your boy say on, on Twitter? He said, you know, some, some of these teams think they're good. Uh, and I can't wait till we play them because we're gonna smash them. <laughs> and uh, he 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 didn't say any names, but he put the the colors up, the blue and the kind of orangish colors. And me and my spidey senses believe that that meant, and that was targeted for the Westlake Warriors. So I'm either talking about Westlake or the Denver Broncos, I'm gonna go with Westlake as well. Absolutely, think, uh, it's gonna be fly, dude. I can't wait. Zach Turbinay coming through that hole. Here comes Game Floyd. It's going to be a collision of epic proportions. That's going to be a fun one. Hey, how about another game, Keith? We thought it was going to be close. Upland, Mission AO, you picked Mission. Yeah. 2021. This one was 41 to 8. Again, watch this one on Fox. And it was just pure domination by Mission Vejo on just every facet. Upland needs to play a pretty perfect game. They didn't. Had a late fumble and a late interception. It could have been at the half. 14 to nothing. Instead, Mission scored twice, bang, bang, and it was 20 to nothing. And then it was essentially over. You know, Kelly Arnold, great first half. Kind of a coming out party for Maven Anderson. He had at least seven, eight catches. Joey Yellen threw the ball really, really well. Mission's defense was uh, did a great job kind of stifling the Davises, Cam, and Taj Davis. But even in a losing effort, I think the guy everyone walked away from, even, you know, talking to Chad Johnson over the weekend, was just Justin Flo was insane in this game. I mean, he had about eight or nine hits that were just like, I mean, he does as good a job of any backer I've ever seen. Just every hit, he squares up. I mean, every hit is, I mean, he's he looks like Vontez Perfect out there. Just kind of built the same, plays the same style. Yeah. Just plays so angry. Every hit, it, it's almost like he follows through 
he, you know, he uses the guy to get off the ground. He gets up, puts his hands up in the air like, no, I'm good, I'm good, which I think almost draws more attention to him. He needs to kind of stop doing that part. Mm-hmm. But almost every play, you almost have this concern that Flo's going to get a personal foul just because of how violent he plays. But, dude, some of these hits, I mean, almost every play you thought the guy was going to knock a kid off the field and out of the game. He, he was that good. To, to lose 41-8, to eight, and we're still talking about him, he was that good, Keith. I mean, he is going to be an all-timer, and he's only a junior. It's scary to think he's got two years left to develop. Hopefully he kind of stays the course, stays hungry, stays, you know, out of trouble off the field, which I know his support system is very solid, so I don't worry about that. But, man, this guy is just gifted. The kind of guy you see going to Alabama and playing as a true freshman. I mean, he, God, he was so good. Yeah, I was I was a little confused, Greg. Uh, you know me, I'm, I'm a team guy. I embrace the team culture, the team environment. Um, I love people who talk team. I, I'm not looking for guys talking individual. And considering that they were blown out at home versus a really good Mission Viejo team, and everybody and their mama was talking about Justin Flo, which I, it confused me. So listening to your breakdown, I see why. He must have made some really vicious hits um, and he really put his stamp on the game, even though they were, you know, smacked by the Diablos. Uh, it sounds like the best player on the field by far was Justin Fallo, and um, doesn't surprise me. He's a Pro Football Hall of Fame All American in the 2020 class for a reason. <laughs> I only choose those guys early when I know for a fact that they are special, and Justin Fallo fits that mold. Uh, congratulations to him on a big game. Wish Upland would have put up more of a fight, but just proves that the Diablos and Coach Chad Johnson are for real. Yeah, they had Orange Lutheran this weekend, so that's going to be another battle for sure. Achille Arnold was excellent, too. You, you can make a case. Those are the two best players on the field. Yeah. Achille was doing it all three ways, defensively, punt returning, wide receiver. But, yeah, I mean, it just... You know, Flo, it's one of those guys, it's like in a basketball game, you, it's the team that loses by 20, but you still have a guy who scores 40, and like eight of them are like reverse dunks on people. Yeah. That's kind of what it was. Even though your team got blown out, I mean, the kid made so many impactful plays that you, you walked away still saying, dude, we got work, but look at this stinking guy. Right. Um, another game you took an L in, Keith, but again, you probably shouldn't have. It was that type of weekend, Greg, let me tell you. <laughs> Lord <laughs> have mercy. Are. Yeah, Ronald Omar, you had you had San Clemente. Oh my God! Uh, yeah, you about this one? yes, you about this one? yes. So Ronald Omar ended up winning twenty-one to twenty. Now, Coach Ortiz is our guy. No question. And I don't know. I just read in the article. I'm going to give credit to the Daily Pilot. Um, there was thirty-nine seconds left. San Clemente is up. CDM is out of timeouts. It's third down. Did I already say it was third down? No, you didn't. But go ahead. I see you set the table. Third down. 39 seconds left. San Clemente is up. And they ran the football. Some people would say, hey, take a knee. Right? They have no more timeouts left. They fumbled the football. Ethan Garbers runs for 18. Incomplete pass. Throws a touchdown the very next play with 11 seconds left to win it 21 to 20 so with 39 seconds left that Clemente has the ball with third down you conceivably could take a knee twice and run out the clock I think I saw uh, Coach Ortiz quoted saying hey he thought there was still going to be time left on the clock mm-hmm. so you run the ball and I mean the chances of a fumble there are probably one in a hundred one in two hundred but unfortunately that one time happened CDM recovered it at about the 50-yard line, and two big plays, and that game was over, Keith. CDM with a big win over San Clemente to move to 4-1, and one. and San Clemente, that was like their third heartbreak loss yeah. of the year for the fighting Jaime Ortiz's, but another game that could have went either way, but CDM made the big play, Ethan Garbers with the 18-yard touchdown with 11 seconds left to seal the deal, and Talk about a, a rough night of sleep for the Tritons. It, it was that type of weekend, Greg. If you could imagine what happened to me in the Hawaii game. Or how about those good old uh, Minnesota Vikings? It was that type of weekend for me, Greg. 
And I'm not sure what was in the water this weekend, but it, it, it just did not agree with anything that I chose. And I feel bad for the San Clemente program. I had them in a winner in this one. Sounds like they definitely should have won. Uh, but this is why you play the game. You've got to be able to execute for four quarters until the clock strikes zero or it's never over. Uh, really, Ethan Garber's big-time throw last play of the game. I saw it on video, down the seam, over the backer, in front of the safety, fits it in, the guy gets hit, falls into the end zone. Uh, a terrific throw. you got to make that seam shot between those two defenders, GB, at about 22 yards. I counted up, Greg. It was at 23 yards on the dot where he kind of hits him um, in terms of like you know where the ball lands. You know what I mean? Yep. And a great throw. I don't think you could throw it any better. The Fighting Jaime Ortiz's, they go down in the last second. Another tough loss, but does not take away from them being really solidified as a as a as a good football team. They're going to come in and they don't have, you know, the high-end talent, but they're going to come in, they're going to play hard, they're going to compete. They just need to finish. They need to finish. And I think once um that that finishing element really resonates in their mind, body, and spirit there in at one town, one team. Um, I think they'll continue to move forward in their journey of catcher, capturing a league title this year. But nonetheless, CDM gets the W. Garbers makes the play to win it. Yeah, yeah. They're in the same league as Mission Viejo, so it's going to be tough to win a league title, but uh, they'll be very competitive in every game they play just because of how well-prepared and, and how hard they play. Two more games left, Keith. We've got yep. Murata Valley at Oaks and yep. St. John Bosco Chaminade. Um, again, a revenge game for Oaks Christian. Um, you predict, predicted the blowout. It was, uh, you know, again, two years in a row, Murata Valley beat Oaks two years ago with 70-62. to 62. I watched that game. It was incredible watching uh, young Hank and, and Matt Corral. Then last year, it was kind of a blowout, 38-20 to 20 from Murata Valley. This year, uh, it was 49 to 13. Uh, game was over early. Yeah. It was 21 nothing. Like, boom, boom, boom. I mean, they scored right away. Just, you know, Josh Calvert, um, uh, Bryce Still got one. I know uh, Trip Mitchell got one. Um, Charbonnet got one. He, yeah. he rushed for over 400 yards as a team. Charbonnet got 200 as, as a team. Yeah. And they really blew out Murata Valley. I don't know if I gave the final score yet. It was 49 to 13. So they probably could have got to the 56 points if they kind of, you know, put the foot on the gas a little bit in the second half. Sure. But not to. So Oaks looking strong. You know, they won a CF title last year there in D1. And, uh, you know, they're going to end up playing, you know, one of those big Trinity League teams, whether it be Orange Lou or Jay Sarah or even Marty Bosco at some point, depending on how they finish up. But if they finish undefeated, I've seen them as high as number four right now in the Division One pool. So that would kind of align them, you know, not having to play uh, a Bosco or a Marte or a Centennial until the semifinals. So they have a chance to make a nice run in Division One if they run the table the rest of the season. So Oaks is winning and winning convincingly. I'm not sure they've had a close game. I guess Shaman is probably the closest game they played. Um, they've really been been dominant on both sides, looking really good. Jack Lenthal a couple sacks. Uh, Frankie had a couple sacks. They're good, good football team. Really good football team. Yeah, they are. And I think it may be a, a little bit of a problem to deal with in that Division One playoffs once that time comes around, GB. But, you know, I think they have elite players at every level. And when you have that, you have guys that can carry you. And, they, and they've got – they have very good complementary players as well. You talked about the Linthal brothers. Um, they have complementary pieces. And head coach Charlie Collins has done a – Outstanding job of getting his playmakers the ball and getting those complimentary guys to show up and provide the type of necessary physical and athletic support to the his stars. So doing a nice job there with the Oaks Christian Lions, no doubt. Last but not least, it was St. John Bosco with another runaway win um, over Chaminade. I think you predicted 69 to 14. It was 56 to 20. Mm. At the half, it was 42 to 6. Yeah. At the half, it was 42-6. to six. So, again, Benjamin Stat Stars, big game for DJ. Uh, Bowman and Jude Wolf, both over 100 yards. I love the fact, how many times last year, Keith, did we scream? Every week. Throw the ball to Jude. Every Wolf, week. 
Yeah, so he's he's really come on this year. He's been a major factor. Chris Hudson had uh, 80, 85 yards in that one. Um, so again, dominant defensive effort. Uh, Croson was asked earlier uh, or after the game, hey, who, who wins between Folsom and, and Bosco? And he said, probably whoever the home team was. So I talked to a couple parents on the Shamanov side, and they actually thought Folsom um, was probably the more dominant team offensively, and Bosco was probably the more dominant team defensively. So it's going to get tougher for Bosco. They, again, I don't think their starters, other than a little bit in that Mililani game, have played into the third quarter or fourth quarter at all this year. They have a bye this week. A little recruiting note for you, Keith. I forgot to mention this one, but both DJ and Trent McDuffie are going to visit Oregon this weekend unofficially for the uh, Oregon-Stanford game. So no. They have a bye, um, and then they their league opener in two weeks is against Jay Sarah. That'll be the, the box game of the week. So we'll know right away if we've been hyping up Jay Sarah too much or if uh, if they are legit, if they can – they don't need to beat Bosco, but man, if it's a great competitive game, man, that, that'll be fun. I, I want to see a competitive game either way, but uh, Bosco rips Shamanad 56 to 20, Keith, yeah. and yeah, that was a tough two stretch. Two stretch game for Shaman, giving up over 100 points. Yeah, two week stretch. Bosco. No yeah. question. Two, I mean, Bosco, probably the top team in the country. I think that's what they are in Max Prep, Super, whatever. But Folsom, probably a top 15 team in the country, 20 team in the country easily. Um, I know they got shut out early by De La Salle, but De La Salle is nothing to flinch at. I, You know, I have mixed emotions, Greg, about Bosco. I do. And it's not just about Bosco. It's just in the entire kind of super team deal. I uh, saw one play from that Chaminade-Bosco game. Shamanai's got the ball. They run it, a simple zone handoff, and Bosco has their entire defensive line in the backfield making a hit on the runner for a five-yard loss. To me, that was a microcosm of the game and probably a microcosm of the season if you're not one of these super teams. And I'm going to leave it at that. Bosco's really good. They're super talented. They're very mature this year. I think they're playing with an edge, uh, and and not a you know a a hole edge. They're playing with a revenge edge, which I appreciate more than an a hole edge. Uh, you know they 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 have an embarrassment of riches in terms of athletes, in terms of capable, physical, big linemen. They have the number one pocket passer in the country, probably um, in the 2020 class. I haven't seen anybody get close to him in terms of when he drops back to throw the ball. He's finding third and fourth options with nobody near his feet. And he's producing. And I'm talking about DJ when I say he. This Bosco team is really good. And people are saying that the IMG Modern Day game is the game of the decade. I'm not going to go that far, Greg, even though someone has IMG as a four and a half point road favorite at the Santa Ana Bowl versus this loaded and talented modern day team. I think Bosco modern day will be the game of the decade and the two 2020 quarterbacks lead the charge on each side. No, I agree. I agree. I've even seen people say this is the biggest game, referring to IMG Modern Day's biggest game in, in Southern Section like history. I'm going, dude. Like, I was. I'm old enough. I remember the very first De La Salle Modern Day game, or the very first De La Salle Long Beach Poly, Poly game. game. Yeah, I was going to say that. Back then, no teams played each other outside your region, Keith. But back then, these teams would never have. Now it's like no big deal. I mean, Bishop Gorman just played De La Salle, and. Yeah. We didn't even mention it. I we didn't even mention game, it. Yeah. But that, I mean, 20 years ago, like, that never happened. So, like, you can't compare now. You have, like, these, you know, I mean, St. Thomas has played Gorman and Bosco has played, you know, St. John's and, and Aquinas the last, you know, couple of years. IMG in modern day is a huge game. You know, I get it. It's two top five teams. But I think just, it's just because it happens now more frequently with these out of, out of the area teams. Even if they were one and two, which, you know, 
it still doesn't have the same kind of buzz as that very first Long Beach Poly, De La Salle, Maurice Jones Drew coming out party with Matt Gutierrez and Polly with the Big Five of Mercedes Lewis and Manuel Wright and Winston Justice, Darnell Bing, Herschel Dennis. Those games, Keith, like nothing compared to the adrenaline rush that I got sure. covering it. Like the week of, I couldn't even like stop thinking about it. Wow. Like IMG Modern Day, it's like, it's cool. I can't wait for it. I'll be there up in the booth for a little bit, second quarter. Yeah. But it's like, you know, it'll be fun. But yeah, you know, ho hum. It's just another another big game between two teams that are different parts of the country. I agree with you. I couldn't That's agree more. That's how I see it. Yep. Now, Bosco Modern Day, I'm jacked about that one. I'm definitely jacked about Bosco Modern Day. I want to say October 20th. So, yeah, buddy. We're good. Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, GB. You hit it, uh, the nail on the head. And uh, I think that wraps it up for today's show. So we appreciate you fans for listening. Uh, please tell your friends to listen in. This is the Transparent Truth. Nobody does it bigger and better than the Transparent Truth. We're the number one high school football podcast in America. Please follow us on social media. We're out there on all the platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Find us we will, or we will find you. And without further ado, let's bring this baby to a close. GB, there's a new sheriff in town. And his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.